Now, Wednesday was the big late national signing day. You know, Nichols Harbor go to South Carolina and Roderick Pleasant, who many Boston College fans were hoping for. Well, he's not coming to Boston College. He's going to Oregon. And it's just the, the late national signing day is just a dare. A lot of the bigger programs get to celebrate some news. BC for years has never had much luck with this date. But I'm not going to let that bring us down. On today's show, I want to look at this class of 23. I feel like in the midst of tons of transfer portal news and, and coaching changes and all this other stuff, we really haven't dove into who these kids are. Who's the players that could get us excited? Who are the diamonds and the roughs that Jeff Halfley can really polish and everything in between. So you're going to want to check out today's episode as we dive into more recruiting talk here on Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I'm the publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. If you're listening to this live right now, you can get 60% off an annual subscription. So check out it over there. Go to Eagle Insider. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is our proud new sponsor here on the Locked On Network. They, they are the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right. So, as I said, National Signing Day, the, the early National Signing Day happened in December. That's when BC landed all 17 of their commitments uh, for the class of 23. You know, after that class, you had, you know, those kids signed. Jeff Halfley said in his press conference, you know, we're not we're, we're not done yet. We're still going to keep going. And I said, okay, I haven't seen BC really land more than one player in the late period. The late period being from around Christmas time to February. I haven't seen that happen in years. Just as, it's not what BC does, but Hey, maybe something's changed. You just went three and nine. Maybe you got to change how, how you address things, how you, um, how you do these things, but nope, BC landed no one. <laughs> Nothing happened. Uh, Roderick Pleasant, as I said in the opener, he was a four-star cornerback. He had BC in his uh, top five. He ended up at Oregon, which was not a surprise. They have he's a track star. They have an elite track program there. That I mean, you can make fun of what BC has. I mean, Oregon is in another planet. No other program is going to have anything what they have. So, not a bat, not a surprise. We have not heard anything about the kickers. I know folks have been asking about the kickers. There is nothing there on that. Let's look at those 17 players. Now, a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't already heard, I talked about Jaden Ski. Jaden Ski is a wide receiver from Catholic Memorial. He is BC's top ranked recruit on 247. When I talk about rankings this class, it's all going to be 247. I'm a 247 guy, folks, so you're going to get my 247 spin. You can go to the other sites if you want to, but I'm going to give you the rankings that we have here. He is just on the outside of a four-star. He's 88, ranked in 88, the 85th best wide receiver. This is a kid that came on strong late. And 
you know, I, I, he of all the Catholic Memorial kids, there's Dottrell Jones, there's, you know, their quarterback, there's the kid that ended up, Bubakar Traor, that ended up at Notre Dame after decommitting from BC. Skeet was a name I didn't know too much about. Unless you are into Massachusetts recruiting, he wasn't anyone that, you know, really popped out to you. Now, he has caught, he's garnered a lot of attention lately for two big different reasons. First of all, Halfley in his press conference after National Signing Day specifically pointed out his length and that he sees him as the next, you know, developing into the next star wide receiver at Boston College. He's 6'1, 180, good size. He's, you know, uh, for a wide receiver. But it was also his play in the um, All American Bowl where he caught a 60 yard pass. I think it was Dante Moore, uh, who was a five star wide uh, quarterback from UCLA that threw it to him. I think it was him. It might have been the kid from Michigan, but he had a big game there. And that really opened up some eyes. I was honestly surprised 247 didn't push him up to a four-star. Based off of of the buzz he's been getting of late, um, I thought he might end up be getting to that, that rub. Will he play immediately? I think there's a good chance he might. We saw it with Joseph Griffin. Uh, with Zay Flowers gone, you know, there's going to be space that someone's going to fill. It's probably going to be Ryan O'Keefe, the transfer from UCF. But you need depth. You need depth at wide receiver. And we don't know what will happen with Jaden Williams. You know, he didn't play at all at the end of last season uh, where he is in, in terms of the depth chart. Jalen Gill uh, is coming back. It looks like we haven't heard anything otherwise. Uh, Dino Tomlin. I think these are all names that could play over Jaden Ski, but you never know. He could, he could, he could get in there early. I wouldn't be surprised if you heard his name. Now, Another name, and this is a guy, so folks have been asking, okay, so I'm going to evaluate whether they're going to play next year and uh, what roles they could play. Dottrell Jones is the running back that BC landed, and he's ranked right below uh, Ski. Now, he's 5'9", 175. I've heard, the buzz that I've heard on Jones is that I, if he's going to play next year, it would be on special teams. He'll be a, like a punt and kick returner. Which I mean, we need that after last year. No, no offense to Zay Flowers, but BC badly needs someone who can return punts, and he what he could be that guy. He's fast. He's quick. He's got a quick twitch. Dottrell Jones, um, I don't see him as as playing at running back because I think next year BC's pretty set with. Uh, Patrick Garwell and Kai Robichaux, the transfer from Western Kentucky. And then after that, you have Alex Broom, and I, I think Cam Barfield would be ahead of him. So I think if BC uses him next year, you you will get him on special teams. But again, this is all me uh, just spitballing before they even start practice. I got to see what, what we hear about at practice, what we see during the spring game. Um, and then we'll go from there. And also Xavier Coleman. We have no idea what they're going to do with Xavier Coleman yet. He hasn't really done much of anything because of injuries. Uh, but there's a lot of depth before Dottrell Jones um, that I think he probably won't play. And I want to shout out in our comment section, if you are listening to this on YouTube, you guys are the champions. And I'm going to screw his name up. It's the Rams Horn of Haiti, the shofar, who says, thank you, AJ. And y'all don't forget to hit that like button eagle emoji. Rams, you are absolutely correct. If you're listening to this right now, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and get in so you get all of our podcasts sent directly to your feed. Okay, after the break, 
there's still more offense to look at. We're going to look at the offensive line. We're going to look at the quarterback position. We're also going to get into a tight end who hasn't played a ton of football, but has been working out with an NFL player. You're going to not want to miss what I have to say on him. But before we get into that, before we get into that, I sound like Steve Adazio. Tell him about that. Let's get into our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of Locked On BC. And if you haven't been over to FanDuel now, you are missing out. They're really, we're really excited about them because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. I love FanDuel's new, like interface to me is so important. And the, the ease of which you can go into FanDuel, just find exactly what you're looking for. Hit that bet on your way to watching a game and winning some money it is perfect. And now if you download FanDuel, you can bet. Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't hit. So FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. So the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get you paid your winnings instantly. That's what you want, right? If you're doing this and you win, you want the money, right? So head over to FanDuel. Join today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. This is locked on BC AJ Black. And we are getting into we're getting into this this we're talking recruiting and getting a, looking at the offense. And we talked about Dottrell Jones who's on your screen right now. And we talked about the um Jaden Skeet. We're running out of time. We're, we're getting into all the good stuff here. So let's look at the quarterback position. That's the big one everyone wants to look at, right? And that's Jacoby Robinson, kid from Texas. I think everyone feels good when you get a recruit from Texas, right? Uh, he was on an absolutely terrible <laughs> Texas team. But I don't think that dictates what he can and can't do. He's 6'4". I've, um, John Garcia, who I used to work with at, um, at Sports Illustrated, uh, met him at the Elite 11 regionals and said, this kid has a cannon for an arm. Really, really good, um, really good technique. Loved what he could do. You know, he's not a super mobile quarterback, but he can do a lot with his arm. Question, and this is what, what I wanted to talk about with, with Robinson. BC is going to go with Emmett Moorhead this year. Jeff Halfley said that on his um, with David Hale and, and Andrea Adelson today. It's an interesting interview. There's a few things in there you might want to check out. Uh, he, compl- he complains about tra- 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 uh, tampering, which is an interesting uh, comment that he makes. But after Moorhead is a giant question mark. Who's going to be the backup quarterback? Is it going to be Robinson? Is it going to be Peter Delaportis? Or will it be Matt Weave? I don't know. I guess it's going to be Weave because he was the backup last year, but no offense to him. It sounds to me from what I've heard that Delaportis and Robinson have a higher upside. We love high upsides, right? I mean, Moorhead came in with nothing and now look at where he's at. These kids all have high upsides too. Could they be there? That's where I think Robinson kind of falls in. I don't expect him to play this year. I believe that J- Jacoby Robinson will be redshirted, but it's going to be an interesting match. So you, you have, you have Emmett Moorhead on paper for a couple more years. What do these other kids do? You know, 
when will you know one of these kids say okay i'm ready to play but Eric moorhead's blocking my potential here am i going to go transfer and who will stick around to take that role when he's gone that's going to be the biggest question mark and if you are in quarterbacks up on eagle insider i have the i have and i did research and talked to folks i have the quarterback big board for the class of 2024 these are the kids bc are targeting that you know they've offered kids but these are the kids that they're looking at right now if you want to know who the future quarterbacks are going to be that bc's looking at head over to eagle insider unfortunately if you're not a subscriber you're not going to, be able to read it but as i told you if you're listening to me right now become a subscriber it's 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 cheap. It's less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and you're going to get insider BC information. So there's Robinson. Also, BC has a pair of offensive linemen that they get, they brought in. Ryan Mickow out of um, St. Thomas Aquinas, Florida, and Michael Krauts from, uh, from Maryland. Now, these kids are not the super um, – they don't have super hot, you know, huge offer lists. Krauts wasn't too bad. I think he's from DeMath, uh, right in front of me. It's DeMath the Catholic, I believe. Right. Um, and, I, but I, I, I like what, I like the, the mind frames of both of these kids. I talked to both of them um, when they committed. These are the types of offensive linemen that are going to take a little time to develop. They're not going to be, able, I don't expect either of them to be ready to play right away. And that's what you want. When you're building a program, take 2022 and just shove it in the trash. Whatever the hell that offensive line issue was last year, you they they hopefully have it fixed by now. Your hope is that you have guys, you have five guys that are ready to go. And then behind them, you have guys that you can, you know, either have some spot experience or maybe some experience when injuries happen. And then you let the other guys develop to those spots. BC next year should, because they brought in, you know, they got Mahogany back. They've got Logan Taylor from UVA. They've got Kyle Hergel from uh, Texas State. They've got uh, an infusion of, of starter talent back in. That pushes the other kids that were starting last year and were not doing what they needed to do back into the playing with the second team. That's okay. But that also means that guys like Krauts and Mikau if, if they need the time, they're going to be able to develop. I, I look at, at Krauts is going to be a tackle. And, you know, the, obviously you need at least one tackle, uh, one guard uh, per group. And, and Mikau, to me, looks like a center. That's just my gut is he's going to be a center. But we'll have to wait and see. The one thing I want to say about the, the, the offensive line uh, group for this year, uh, the kids are fine. There's nothing wrong with the kids they got. I just was hoping for a bigger class. They just needed more depth than most most programs get three, four, five guys, but I guess I guess if you go and look at it this way, right? So you're hoping that you bring in three or four guys. You brought in two, but you also brought in two from the transfer portal, so you did bring in four on paper, right? So it's just a, a different way of looking at it. And then finally, uh, the, you know, oh, sorry, we have two more to get to. We have wide receiver Nate Johnson. Now. Folks, if you want to know my sleeper of this pick of this of this class, the guy that no one is talking about, but I think has a skill set that could make him very dangerous, it's Nate Johnson. This is a kid from Florida who has burner speed. I've heard he's the fastest guy on this roster. 
He's going to be the fastest guy on the roster period next year, not regardless of a, uh, of year. Watch out. Watch what this kid can do. Who is the last wide receiver BC got or uh, what last wide receiver BC got uh, that had speed from, from Florida. I think he's uh, getting ready for the NFL draft right now. I, he's my, he's my sleeper pick um, right now. I, and when you get a guy like Nate Johnson who has speed like that, you get him on the field. I don't care about, uh, red shirting, any of that stuff. If you got, if you got elite speed, like he has, you get him on the field right away. So he's going to be someone to watch for. And then finally, the final offensive player BC brought in is tight end Holden Simmons. Now, when he committed, it was a giant question mark. No one knew who he was because he hasn't played. He hadn't played football yet. He was, he, I think he's six. He's six, six, 240 pounds. He was a basketball player at governor Academy. You know, he committed and you're like, he doesn't have any offers. Who is this guy? Then you hear more and more about it. I talked to, to, to some folks about what he could bring. He was out practicing with Pat Fryermuth, the uh, former Penn State t- tight end, and playing for the Steelers. He's been working out with him a lot. They they're close. He's also, I mean, he's a BC kid through and through, and I'm really interested to see what he brings. I'm not sure, you know, because there's not a lot of film on him to see what he can do. But I mean, he's he, he's going to be a project. He's probably going to take a little bit of time to develop, but. You know, he's got the size. You love the size. He's a former basketball player, so you know he can move a little bit. Uh, I'm interested to see what Holden Simmons can do, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't expect him to be a tight end for BC for a couple of years. I mean, a, a starter. I don't think he'll play for very much, but we'll wait and see. Now, that is our class of 2023 on the offensive side. When we have another day where there's no basketball to talk about and there's no other games, I will get on to defense. So, probably in the next week or so, you'll get our defense. Uh, wrap up. We'll look at those players. Who excites you most? Is there a player that they landed that you're like, ooh, I can't wait to see this guy jump in for Boston College? Is there a guy that you're like, ooh, you know, I I, I like his offer list or I I saw his huddle film and he he st- he kind of he looks like the next you know as someone just said, is he the next Hunter Long? Who knows? That being said, we're gonna get into more in in future episodes. Now, in our final segment, I want to look at the basketball team again. I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss and and just do one episode on that Clemson win because that was fun. BC basketball was has been fun for the, like the last week. The UVA game, yeah, it sucked, but I, I want to get into what my thoughts are. And is BC basketball turning a corner again and getting ready for a fun run to end the end the year? We'll get into all of that and more in our final segment. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black. If you have not already, hit the subscribe button on our podcast. We are up to 725 subscribers here on our podcast on YouTube. If you want to be 726 or 727, please do. Can you imagine that? You know, there's 700. I mean, how many people go to a basketball game? There's not that many that you guys, there's 725 of you out there that want to hear more about BC. I love it. I love all you guys. And you are the lifeblood of this podcast. You're the lifeblood that makes me do this five days a week because there's days. I don't want to talk about BC. 
<laughs> but I do it because you need your news. You want to hear my analysis. That's what we're here to do. Now, we've been talking recruiting. Let's get to basketball. Wednesday or Tuesday night, BC defeated Clemson number 20 in the country for their second ranked win of the year. Now you have to go back to the year BC made the NIT for the last time BC won two ranked games in a year. I mean, I, I, I guess I don't visualize it like I did, but I, I I gave myself a, a job. I was looking for a fun tweet to go with this. I was curious how many ranked wins Jim Christian had at Boston College. And I was wondering if Earl Grant's already almost about to catch him. And I gave up after, I think he had like four or five. He had two in one season. So it, it didn't work for, for the point I was trying to make because I thought Grant might be catching up to him. He's got a little bit of work. But, but when I was looking at it, 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 just the visualization of some of the years BC had under Jim Christian, it was striking how bad some of those teams were. Like you look at the schedule, the especially the ACC slate, it was just like loss, 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 loss. So, and, and I'm not even just talking the year that they lost every game. There was other seasons where it was like, you'd see a win in there, but then it was just like a whole bunch of red L's. And it was so depressing to watch. And, and, it, and it helped me visualize again why, the stadium is dead all the time and why no one goes to the games because it's been years of just being beat down and like watching a terrible product. Like you're not going to want to go spend your time or money to buy tickets to watch a team get smoked every time they go out there against a good team. That being said, things seem to have turned for Boston college. Yeah. They've still lost some dumb games and the UNH and main game was dumb too. But BC has won a couple of, I mean, some really exciting games this year. Beating Virginia Tech was exciting. Beating Clemson was big. And then sweeping Notre Dame. BC is one win away from tying their uh, ACC record of wins from last year, in which they... Jumped off the charts from what Jim Christian was doing, so they're heading. They're they're trending in the right direction. Now, if you look at Ken Palm, who I love, I love his work. Um, it's a statistical analysis. You go to KenPalm.com. He ranks teams based off of, um, you know, their their records and and probabilities and all this good stuff. If you look at what he has for Boston College, it's not it's grim moving forward. BC still has, um, I think, nine games left. And he has them losing all but Georgia Tech. That's tough. Uh, but you look at the schedule and 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 you look at at what BC struggled against, right? They they've struggled against teams that are athletic that can that score like Miami. They struggled against um, Wake Forest, who also was athletic. North Carolina obviously had Bacot, uh, who was a big scorer. Yeah, they're playing some teams that have good RPIs, but on paper, some of the, I mean, like looking at them, I I don't, I don't think BC should, they're going to, they're going to pull off some more wins. I don't think it's over. I look at teams like Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Georgia Tech as potentials. It's, it's possible. I'm not saying they're going to win because it's BC and stupid stuff happens. But there's a potential for BC to do a lot of weird stuff here. 
This it, they can make things funky at the end of this year is what I'm getting at because they're playing good basketball. Now they're going to run into Virginia again, and ugh, Virginia's defense is going to grind that BC offense to a pulp again. They got Pitt on the road, uh, road which is tough, and Pitt's playing really well. End state, as I said, I mean, they're only projected to lose by six against a team that's 53rd in the country in terms of Ken Palm rating. Look at that big center, though. Have you seen him? He's huge like and, and, and girthy. He's a girthy dude. Um, that should be fun, too. But I don't agree with what Ken Palm says, that they're going to go in like one and eight and finish 13 and 18. I think BC's got a few more wins than them. Um, what do you think? I think with Quentin Post, Quentin Post is playing the best b- basketball of his career right now. You've got Makai Ashton Langford playing the, the 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 Robin to his Batman, and then you're seeing guys like Jaden Zachary start to play a little bit better. You're seeing, uh, especially Prince Oligby. I I I am remiss to 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 not you know say the improvements I've seen out of him on both ends of the floor. He's looking like the four star recruit you're hoping for. You've got now these guys playing very well. Mason Madsen, credit to him too. He's playing better. You're seeing an improvement all and up and down this this roster. Now, they're still playing ugly basketball here and there, but I still think they're they're turning the right corner. And if BC can do that, wouldn't it be nice just to avoid Tuesday in Greensboro, avoid the first round of that ACC tournament? I mean, and and maybe even maybe even be in talks of the NIT. All it takes is a couple more wins, and BC's right in there. They're they're uh, net rating is horrible, which is not going to help. But they're 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 winning bigger games. They're winning some quad one and quad two games. They're going to be big for them. So that's my thoughts on the basketball team. I, I'm excited. I, you know, they're every game now. It's like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to watch them because they're playing better. And I think that's all you can ask for. And the product is going to get better. And Saturday, it's going to be sold out at Connie Forum. Now, seventy five percent of the fans are probably going to be Syracuse fans, but it's sold out. It's not going to be the Conti Morgue. We'll have to wait and see how they do against the Orange. Now. We're going to wrap things up on tomorrow's show. We're going to prepare for the weekend and we're going to talk a little bean pot talk. It's been a while since I talked hockey, but the bean pot. And I love, I love the bean pot. I'll tell you a little story about when I went um, some of the games I've seen and looking at what BC has to do to finally break the snide and their, their, uh, their losing streak in the tournament. We need to see how they do this weekend. All right. Thank you all for following. My name is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBC. And if you haven't already followed this podcast, hit the subscribe button right now. Just do it. Do it right now. It give you awesome Boston College videos five days a week. And we do like bonus episodes if things happen. I'll probably do a quick bonus uh, uh, one minute uh, reaction video when they finally get their offensive coordinator, whoever that's going to be, uh, and a whole lot more. For um, and we'll have Mitch on again soon. We still are looking at some more um, interviews that I hope you guys enjoy uh, that we'll be bringing on. Uh, well, have a great Wednesday night or Thursday if you're listening to this on the podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Take care, everyone.